Hello all you rock and roll Zora band members and welcome back to Mandatory Side Quest. I'm your host And I'm Karina. She's also a host, she didn't mention that. Oh, okay. I'm also a host. Today you're joining us in the middle of a for real adventure as we battle the Big Wet. It's Cyclone Debbie. It's not actually Cyclone Debbie. It's like the the like, you know, remnants of Cyclone Debbie. There's a big cyclone up north in our state, and where there's a lot of storms moving down south. Did you know it was called the Big Wet Karina? Yes, I did, and I was ignoring that. How dumb is that name? Pretty pretty dumb. We actually seem to have been extremely lucky. We've had no flooding and have avoided all these 100-hour winds, so... Mm, so far. Hey, us. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Very unfortunate for, you know, up north. Yeah. And that poor shark... Yes, that one shark that got, <laughs> I guess, washed up on shore. Yeah, there was a shark! I was more sad for the people whose homes got destroyed, but... Oh, yes. I guess one shark, he's... You know what? I don't actually know what happened to that shark. Is he dead? I hope not. I mean, I can't tell if he's alive or dead in those photos. It's hard to tell, actually. Yeah. Anyway, it's cycl apparently it's cyclone season here in Queensland, folks. Which is odd, because it usually comes earlier in the year, I think. Eh. Oh well, that's enough. That's enough weather talk. Do you want to get into it, Karina? Do you want to get into it and I guess do our obligatory? This is kind of a nerd podcast. Well, it's extremely a nerd podcast. It's literally a nerd podcast. Do you want to do the obligatory nerd podcast thing? And talk about the n n nerd news. Sure. I don't really care for that flourish I just did. <laughs> I don't really care for a lot of these flourishes I make up on the spot. All right, let's run through them real quick because they'll go pretty quick. Number one, Justice League trailer. Summarize your feelings in one noise. <laughs> Correct. I mean, the only thing that I'm terribly liking about it is Aquaman. And even then, Aquaman's armor looks, like, really terrible. Yeah, Aquaman's the only thing I like about the, the trailer so far. Aquaman looks like a fun dude having a fun time. Also, for God's sake, it's Jason Momoa. Why would you not just have him constantly shirtless? He seems to be the teenager version of the ch children's character in Brave and the Bold. Where, where in addition to being like the ha-ha adventure guy, now he's like, yeah, adventure, fully sick, brah, guy. I mean, I guess they went with the surfer dude angle for him. I mean... He also seems to be slamming down whiskeys, so... Yeah, except in all the, you know, preview posters and other shit, he seemed to be a dude wearing no shirt with tattoos. And now in the movie, he seems to be a guy wearing terrible-looking armor. So that's bad. I mean, when I was when I was first shown the armor, I think what I mentioned about it was that it kind of looks Lord of the Rings. But here's the thing. I don't mean in that it looks Lord of the Rings... It, like, elven armor, where it actually looks, like, like really elegant, and, like, it's supposed to be, like, the folding of leaves and stuff like that, and it works, because it's aesthetic, and it's beautiful. It doesn't really work for Aquaman, because it's Jason Momoa. Hang on, hang on. Karina, who do you think it is stupider to wear armor? Superman, who's bulletproof. Now, I will put the caveat that he doesn't actually seem to be wearing armor in the movies. He seems to be wearing, uh, whatever material basketballs are made of. His armor suit is from the comics. They seem to have gotten rid of it, though, at least. Okay, who's stupider to wear armor? Superman, who's bulletproof? The Flash, who runs really fast? Or Aquaman, who lives in the ocean? Like, if your job was swimming all the time, you probably wouldn't wear armor, right? I mean... I mean, even if you are a super strong dude who swims a lot, like, armor is still not going to be a good thing to wear, right? No, because drag, but in that same, like, you know, line of thought, 
technically Aquaman should also not have hair, which I d personally don't agree with. Eh. Just purely because I do love a muscular man yeah, with beautiful long hair. When have you ever seen a bald mermaid? I mean, traditional mermaids that are usually like you know have tentacle hair and shit like that. Voltron mermaids, actually. That's traditional mermaids have hair. Okay, by traditional mermaids, I mean shit like the Harry Potter mermaids, where they had like tentacles or like skin or like you know some kind of flesh appendage instead I've, of hair. I've got some issues with you referring to Harry Potter as traditional. Oh my. Fucking god, let's not argue the fact that I clearly mean one thing and you're just picking at my terminology. Oh, mermaids are traditional mermaids. Whatever. Although traditional mermaids don't have clam bras. Mermaids, also in reality, if they make sense, should not have hair because it creates drag, is what I'm getting at. Yeah, but nothing about mermaids makes sense. No. They shouldn't have titties either, because those would create drag. Also because mermaids aren't mammals. They use those titties to seduce sailors. Those are sirens, not mermaids. Mermaids also do that. I guess. I can't remember if mermaids just drown sailors or eat them. Depends on which legend you look up. I can't imagine why you'd drown a sailor if you weren't going to eat him. What's well, like, not ah, fun, I guess, like cats. Everyone else in that movie looked unhappy and sad and grumpy. Even the Flash. Yeah, who's, like, isn't the Flash supposed to be funny? Yeah, he's meant to be one of the more, like, light-hearted ones, at least. Like, I kind of lump Spider-Man and, like, the Flash well, and, like, Rob... Not then, then again, I guess movie Flash, I think, is the Barry Allen Flash, who traditionally is a cardboard cutout with no personality. Whatever, then. The funny one is Wally West. They don't seem to be using that one. Also, Cyborg seems to have... He's a cyborg? That I, seems to be it. That seems to be it. At least they didn't fucking show any body horror in the trailer. Karina, did you know in Batman vs Superman you see a shot of Cyborg and it's straight up fucking body horror? No. He's, he's got no robot bits, so he's like a dude with half a fucking rib cage and spine hanging out of his end of his torso and half a face missing. Ew. Yeah, I don't know why you'd want to see that. Also, they turned Cyborg into Iron Man, by which I mean they straight up had him grow an Iron Man helmet and fly around with his rocket legs. Yeah, like why? I, I, I was really into the Teen Titans cartoon when I was a teenager, right? Okay? Like, I was really into it. And Robin and Cyborg not being able to fly was always a thing. Because either Beast Boy had to turn into a pterodactyl, or Raven or Starfire had to carry one of them. Like, it was always a thing. Yeah, always. Now, now I can fly, because Iron Man's a popular movie. Also, I'm pretty sure that Cyborg was always really worried about how not human he would become. Like, there was a whole episode around that in the cartoon as well, where, like, some, like, creepy mechanic dude tried to make him 100% robotic. Yeah. Disappointingly, I haven't read a lot of Cyborg comics, but every Cyborg comic I've read is about him being sad that he might not be fully human. God, just let him have fun. Let him say booyah. Let him say booyah. Let uh, him say booyah and... Let him drive Cook his food. Let him drive his car. And sing his own theme song about where he changes all the words to be about himself. Because it's Cyborg! Alright, that's enough of that trailer. Aquaman's good, the rest of it's bad. Trailer number two! Spider-Man trailer! Eh. Looks good. Yeah. That kid's pretty charismatic. I like that he has a... Overweight friend? Friend of plus size? Mm. Yeah, I'm not sure how to put that other than like the really hurtful term. Look, he's got a friend, and they don't make any fucking jokes about how much he likes food, alright? After watching Troll Hunters, Voltron Legendary Defender, 
and any other goddamn piece of media that exists in the world, it is nice to see a friend who is not a skinny dude, but also they don't make any fucking jokes about how much he likes food. Ugh, I really hate that trope, let me tell you. Man, Honk, you're the worst character in Voltron. Which is sad, because, like, he clearly has some character outside of being the friend, like, you know, the one cast member who is not skinny, I'm gonna put it that way, because I don't really know what the proper term here to use is, but, like, so much of his character just revolves around food. And it would be fine if it was just, you know, good at making food, because he's clearly that as well, like, he's legitimately a chef. Like, he knows how to prepare food. Nah, he's always like, man, I was daydreaming about eating some steaks. And it's just like... Yeah, food. Please, please, like, bring back more of, like, the mechanic aspect of his character. Like, that is his thing, is that he's a really, really brilliant mechanic. Like, Pidge is the programmer and the inventor and everything like that, but Hunk... Like, that's his thing, right? I'm, I'm, I'm recalling this correctly? Is it? Because you, like, you are, I've only seen season one once. Okay, because in, like, the first couple of episodes, whether or not it is the first one, like, when Keith is in the desert, and he's talking about, like, this frequency, like, that he's been tracking and shit like that, Honk actually does casually mention, like, some, like, you know, certain, like, you know, frequency or something that's been studied, or, like, just randomly comes up with, like, something that he already knows about that they can use to, like, triangulate, like, finding the red red line or the black line, whichever one it is that they're looking for at that time. I don't remember. It might have been the blue one, actually. It doesn't matter. doesn't matter. Point is that Honk has, like, these sporadic moments where he actually does get to show off, like, his expertise, which I'm pretty sure is supposed to be, like, mechanics, engineering. Not, like, Pidge's programming expertise, I would say. Like, he's kind of still in that same computery angle, obviously. But, I mean, they all kind of have a thing. Like, Shiro's the leader, like, Keith is the reckless one with a lot of combat expertise. Lance is Lance, honestly. He's the dumb one. He's the dumb one. He's the beast boy. Pidge is the smart one, and Honk is the mechanic. But, like, he just gets boiled down to, like, lol, food, so much, and I just, I don't like it. I just don't like that trope. Well, at least he didn't have a Fitbit that they renamed to be a chubby tracker. Honestly, I am developing more and more problems with Toby as a character, like, the more that... Maybe we'll fix him in Season 2. Maybe. Remember, they fixed Boyle in Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Remember, because, uh, remember, Boyle used to suck. If you remember in Season 1, his whole deal was constantly trying to get Rosa to go out with him. Oh, God, yeah, that was fucking terrible. And then they abandoned that hard in Season 2. Good, because it was awful. Yeah, of course correct, because Brooklyn Nine-Nine's a good show. Yeah, Brooklyn Nine-Nine's a good show with, like, an actual good main character. Yeah, Spider-Man trailer. Looks good. Yeah. Looks like more of that kid from that movie that was good. I mean, he's a perfectly, like, you know, charming Spider-Man. It's weird that they turned his chest logo into a little robot buddy. Kind of gave away the whole plot of the film, largely. His whole emotional arc and journey in the trailers, but, you know, they always do it. Marty J looks fun. I'll tell you, it's definitely the best use of that character since the first Iron Man movie. Who would have known making Iron Man into the shitty dad would be the best character choice they could make for him? <laughs> I mean, he's more like the shitty drunk uncle. He's the shitty authority figure that tells you not to do things. Also, kind of weird that they gave Spider-Man those suits from the Genesis Evangelion. Like the baggy suits where you click the wrist and it like, snaps in to be skin tight. Oh yeah, the, one of those ones. Okay, third trailer. Number three. It. You can talk about this. You have less opinions than I do because you haven't read it, but I mean... 
Yeah, I mean, I'm going to preface this with, like, I think of myself as a... I'm going to say a big Stephen King fan, not in that, like, you know, I've read literally everything and I have, like, encyclopedic knowledge of all of his work or anything, but I am a Stephen King fan in that, of everything I have read of Stephen King, which isn't, you know, it, it, it's not insignificant. I have liked all of it. I've held off reading it just because I'm very selective about the kind of horror that I expose myself to. I don't know who's told you this, but it's not that much body horror. I don't know. Like, I, it's... I don't even know if anyone explicitly told me that there was body horror in it so much as what I have been told just makes me so wary or suspicious of the fact that there might be some. It's more like there's monsters. And he describes the monsters. There's, I don't think there's any more body horror than there is in Dark Tower. Which I don't actually recall any body horror in Dark Tower, to be honest. It's more like, you know, when he describes that scary house monster. Oh, yeah. It's more like that. I mean, that's the reason I've never read It. Even though I've always actually had access to It. Because, for God's sake, like, the copy of The Stand that I currently have sitting in our living room is actually one that my mother bought when she was, I think, in college, which is, like, one of the extended versions that's, like, 200 pages longer or some oh, shit. Oh, books so. are fucking long. Yes, but, like, I like Stephen King, my mother likes Stephen King, so, like, it's something that we both also talked about, so, like, I'm into Stephen King's work as a whole. I've just kind of avoided it. It's good. Because, you should read it. If, you, if you're going to read the fucking Long Earth series, you should be reading it instead. I'm not going to interrupt what I'm reading to read something else. Yeah. Um, I guess the trailer looked alright. The only impression I came away with was the trying way too hard with Pennywise the Clown. Like, that version was Tim, Tim Curry, which I haven't ever really watched. He looks like a clown. In this... He looks like a fucking spooky clown from DeviantArt. He looks like one of those fucking Todd McFarlane statuettes. They're trying way too hard to make that clown into a scary clown. When he's a clown that's scary, he doesn't need to have fucking... They look like they ran him through the desaturation filter. And then he's moving around all... I don't like it. I think they're trying too hard. Also, from memory, they're making this into two movies. Are they really? Yeah. Because um, it does the thing where it's like a thing happens to them when they're kids, but then they got to deal with it when they're adults. So in the book, it's constantly jumping back and forth between them now as adults and then as, then as kids. And I think they're splitting it into like a movie where they're all kids and then a movie where they're all adults. I, I don't know enough about it to really... So that's some weakness. That, that's some pointlessness. Look, I just really hope they keep the bit where the kids all get high and talk to a space turtle. Admittedly, they don't actually get high. They just make one of those steam boxes. Like that thing that Locke made in Lost. That was like sweat saunas where you go in and have hallucinations. True, true. I'll be impressed if they keep that in. Oh, cool, we got through all the trailers. Okay, nerd news item number four. Some dude at Ubisoft was saying apparently they want to make an Assassin's Creed TV series. Or they're working on an Assassin's Creed TV series. One or the other. I expect it to be enjoyable for people that are really hardcore fans of Assassin's Creed, but I feel like I'm maybe going to watch two episodes of it tops and then be completely uninterested. I'm tentatively interested, assuming that one, it doesn't have any modern day stuff, because I originally was into the Abstergo stuff, but they keep not doing it great, so who cares? It, it's clearly never going anywhere. 
That's because they finished Desmond's story, and now they're just churning out a game per year and like also, also cool Des- historic places and like Desmond's- the assassin angle of it is the only thing that's interesting anymore. Desmond's story was the fucking worst, and it had the st- the worst possible ending. Do you even know what his ending was? He died. Yeah, uh, spoilers for Assassin's Creed Three. Oh my god, it came out so fucking long ago. Who cares? Also, no one cares about the Desmond bit. He didn't just die, Karina. He killed himself because of a shitty Jesus vision. Yeah, something like that, I don't know. One of the goddesses was, like, fucking around. There was gonna be a solar flare, and it was gonna destroy civilization, and then he was gonna come out and be, like, a new messiah who was gonna help rebuild civilization and lead everyone to some peaceful utopia. But then over the generations after he died, his messages would get, like, distorted into ones of you know, violence instead of peace, and there'd be all these holy wars and shit. So he somehow, instead of letting that happen, he somehow killed himself in order to stop the solar flare happening. I'm not sure why killing himself is necessary then. Um, I guess they were like, ah, shit, let's just wrap up the storyline and get it out of the way. Why was killing him necessary? It kind of wasn't. It reminds me of the extremely awful alternate ending I've heard about to Butterfly Effect. I haven't seen it, but somebody told me about this, and it sounds like the worst goddamn thing I've ever heard of. Do you know, but have you seen Butterfly Effect? Uh, I've seen it, like, once many, many, many years ago. You know the gist, right? Like, he can go back, it's a dude, and he reads his journals or something, and he can, like, go back in time. Yeah. And, like, every time he tries to fix things, he keeps making these worse alternate timelines, and he keeps trying to go back and fix it and whatever. Yeah. But what I hear, the alternate timeline is where he stops all the bad things ever from happening by killing himself in the womb. What? Like, he goes back in time to when he's a little baby in the womb and then, like, strangles himself with his umbilical cord. So then, like, he can never make any bad timelines or something. What the fuck? That was the alternate ending, and it's fucking stupid. What? It is It is on the level of stupid alternate endings as the alternate ending to 28 Days Later. Do you know what that one was? No. Okay, the dude was going to get, like, infected with the zombie disease. And then they were going to have this ending where they gave him a blood transplant to, like, you know, clean him with the zombie disease. Or rage disease, I guess it was. Except in that movie, they'd already set up that, like, a single drop of blood in your eye can infect you. So because of that, they the way the ending would have had to work, in order for him to get a blood transfusion, they would have had to literally drain every single drop of blood from his body. Yep. And then filled him with new blood. And they were like, this ending is dumb. Let's do the different one. Which... A man looked at a chicken. That's actually all I can remember about the ending of that movie. I don't remember what happened. Alright, you want to move on to nerd news item number four or five? Nerd, 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 nerd news item number five! Okay, so they're making a new version of Escape from New York. They're doing an Escape from New York remake. Which I was like, I don't, I, I don't give a shit about that. I mean, it's either going to be a pile of garbage. Because Hang on, it'll I'm not actually up to the nerd news okay. item yet. Because that movie was a solid... Seven, maybe seven, maybe seven out of ten? Hey, if you want to hear our opinions on Escape from New York, you should check out the other podcast we do, the A to Z of Film. Oh, yeah. It's the letter E. It's episode E. E is for Escape from New York. TLDR. We liked it. But, but, do you know who's going to direct it? Robert Rodriguez. That's the guy who did El Mariachi and Desperado. Oh! I knew he sounded familiar. He did also, fortunately, unfortunately, he did also do Once Upon a Time in Mexico, which I remember being kind of like, eh, of the three of them. Yeah. I mean, the first one was good. First one was good. Second one was fun. And it was kind of disappointing that, like, the next two, which, correct me if I'm wrong, had that really hot guy. Antonio Banderas. Yes. Desperado was good. 
It was a little sillier, but it was good. Yeah, that's what I, I liked it. Like, the first one was, was, like, very enjoyable. But the next two, kind of, even though they had Antonio Banderas in them, struggled a bit. I think two was, from memory, two was still good, just in a different way. Three was kind of crappy. Also, they did that thing of killing off the love interest from the second film. All I really remember about it is that bit where they're handcuffed together and they're swinging around all crazy style out of those windows. I don't remember much, I'm going to be real with you. Like, him and his wife are handcuffed together and, like, one of them jumps out a window and grabs on the window ledge. Then the other one kind of, like, swings by the handcuff to the next window ledge. Then they swing, you know, one at a time around. Alright, so here's the thing. Here's my opinion. Here's my thought process about how this remake could go. The fact that they got Rodriguez is good, because one of the things I was going to bring up was it could flop because they might not keep some of that, like, vintage 80s charm, which is part of what I do like about Escape from New York. Like, kind of the ridiculousness of the idea of this future from the perspective of the 80s. I am thinking of the 80s, right? Yeah. So, I like that they got Rodriguez because he, and again, like, this is just from what I remember, he is good at that vintage feel. Yes. I guess, yeah. Yeah? Are we not thinking of the same Rodriguez? He also did that movie where that woman had a machine gun for a leg, but I haven't seen that one. Yeah, but I genuinely enjoyed that. Is it good? I, lo- I like it. Is it better than Death Proof? Yes. Okay. Significantly. Well, like, it's rewatchable. Fi- <laughs> 50% of Death Proof is rewatchable. I don't know if I could watch the first half again, which it turned out didn't fucking matter at all. I mean, um, I've, watched, I've watched the final scene of... Death Proof a couple times, because it's one of the best endings I've ever seen to a movie. I mean, I'm not going to say what it is, because it was so fucking good, but that movie, Death Proof, is worth it just for the beautiful final shot. I mean, I don't... Oh god, what's that movie even called? It's the chick... Planet Terror. That's the one, yes, and she has a machine gun for her leg, and it has zombies. It's very enjoyable. Like, it's silly... It is, like, batshit. Like, they come up with, a bo- like, a whole bunch of ridiculous nonsense that, like, they do to kill zombies and shit. I like it. See, it's silly, and they realize what they're doing. See, that's what I expect from Escape from New York. But I want that! Like, no, that's, that's what I'm saying. That's fun. what I want. Yeah. Who should who should they have as Snake? See, the thing is, is that they definitely can't get the same dude anymore because he's, like, 70. Yeah, also, it wouldn't be a remake if you just got the same guy. No, obviously not. Even though they're doing that um, with the Lion King. I don't know. Like, who, like, he, you can't just get, like, handsome Chris number seven. Like, that who, wouldn't really who work. Who can do that super grizzled macho guy, but that's way over the top, but you kind of are wink-nudging about how over the top it is? I mean, he also was wearing, like, fingerless gloves and, like, a denim jacket and, like, a bandana. Uh, leather jacket. Oh, whatever. I don't, I don't think remember. he had a bandana. But who's going to be the guy who's going to, like, light a cigar and put his feet up on the table and tell the president to go fuck himself? Hmm. I was going to say The Rock, but I think The Rock would be wrong. The Rock is kind of too... Nice. Yes, but also I think too actually, like, physically intimidating. Yeah, he is too big. And he's also too... Like, the thing about Snake, Snake Plissken, is it? Yes. The thing about Snake Plissken is that he is a white dude with a mullet. Like, well, he is a power fantasy, let's let's be real here, but he's not, like, an actual super tall ripped dude who could probably actually lift up someone and tear them in half. No, he's like a fit guy. Yeah, so, I love The Rock, don't get me wrong, like, I fucking oh, actually, love him. You know what him? the problem with The Rock is? He's not enough of a dirtbag. Because Snake Plissken was a hell of a dirtbag, if you remember. Yeah, he's a bit of shit. 
So you kind of need someone who can also play a bit of, like, an uh, actual dickhead. Shit, you know who could probably do it really well? Mm-hmm. The guy who played Sawyer in Lost. <laughs> yes! Oh my god, yes. Perfect. Like, what a fucking... He had the like, same Like, down to he can even probably mimic, like, the perfect, like, slightly, like, you know, non... Like upper up like you know upper middle class kind of accent as well, Let like him... not southern. But I don't completely remember how Snake Plissken talked either. But he just, definitely he just had a bit of a rowdy voice. Yes, hi Batman. But like either way, like he wasn't very articulate. No, no. <laughs> All he needs he, to... he could do it. Whoever, a little bit of a growl. Was like he could probably a little bit of a growl. Yeah, what's he done since? Well, he's he's probably a bit older now, even as well, yeah. because Lost was a while ago. So he's yeah. even like he's he's probably old enough now that he could get away. The only with thing that. I've ever seen him in was Community. Oh yeah, he's like the one person of the three main characters who didn't really. Oh, do he was else. that one random cowboy. Yeah, yeah. because Matthew Fox, who was Jack, yeah, he was in a movie or two. I don't think he really took off, but he had a movie or two. Oh, Mostly I, I know him as Racer X. I think Kate was probably the most successful out of all the Lost people, wasn't she? Yeah, although I'm successful. Well, she's been in the most big budget. Yeah. Things, I mean, she, she was in The Hobbits, but she kind of sucked in them. Not her fault. Her... Well, Saeed got to be in Sense8. Well, her character was cool for the first two movies. Actually, she was alright right up until the, the third Hobbit movie when she was like, I loved him, or whatever. Mm-hmm. She was alright, it was just... She was a character who was made up for the movie, so didn't really have much of an impact on the plot. Yeah. And then her ending kind of sucked. And she was cool in Ant-Man, but she was so much more cooler than the main character. It was like, why the fuck am I watching this guy and not her? Why ain't this woman the Ant-Man? Because Ant-Man is just another white boy power fantasy. But he's white in the comics, Karina. If you read the comics, you'd know he's white in them. It's a dagger to his character. Is it really? Can you tell I've uh, read a lot of fucking arguments about Iron Fist? Whatever. That's the end of the nerd news! Did you enjoy my impression of a YouTube video series doing their top 10 video game boss battles? Sure. To tell top 10 video game Easter eggs! And the prompts tomorrow! It's apparently one of the only voices I can do. What was the other one we discovered you could do? Oh no, that was one we discovered. That was one we discovered I could do. What? Oh, hang on. Karina, who's, who's, who's that? Karina, who's that at the door? Who's, oh, look, Karina, it's your friend! Oh, I'm Karina! Uh, no, stop. It's me! No, I don't want to hear it. It's nice no, shut <laughs> up. Actually, shut up. I don't want to fucking hear it. Oh, Karina, but you love original 1984 Voltron No, bitch. I don't. I hate it in every possible way. I would much rather just watch Lilo and Stitch. When I first saw a video of those original 1984 Voltron voices, I had to do research and check that it was not a fake, like, fan dub from now. Because that Pidge voice is so bad! Pidge sounds like a cartoon... Mascot. Like a fucking... Mascot. Cartoon ferret. (laughs) Mascot sidekick. The dumb little, like, pink thing that hangs around with the princess. And Hunk is just straight up Fred Flintstone. He's not great. Slightly changing his voice, but so obviously just Fred Flintstone. I mean, I don't really know how much more personality he's really got. I I don't really know how much more personality Lance really got. I look forward to watching these original, well, maybe a couple episodes of the original Voltron series. Yeah, you can watch that by your fucking self. Yeah, I probably will. I'll watch it when I finish watching Power Rangers. Yeah, that, that can be a thing that you do. On your own, while I'm not even in the apartment. I forgot we were talking about because I got too distracted with that. How much you hate that pigeon voice? 
voices I can do. Yeah, Valley Girl, Old Man, Other Old Man. I just wanted an excuse to do that pitch voice. And I can do main American white character from any anime from the 90s. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we can do Caro from Card Captors. Sakura, you gotta capture the cloud cards! Use the windy card, Sakura! <laughs> yep. Look, Sakura, it's your good heterosexual friend who is a girl. And totally doesn't, like, videotape you all the time! And actually talks about you super creepily! Yes, Caro, that is correct. She is very much a heterosexual. As am I and my cousin. Did you spot that voice, Karina? Did you yes, recognize that I one? Did. Let's all do our best. Fuck, I don't remember what Haruka's English name is. Something with an A. A Maori. No. You a Maru. You literally always think that A names are a Maori. You literally okay, always okay. do. Okay, it's a Maru. It sounds a lot like real person we know a Maori. A Maori, but her name is Amaru. No, it's not. It's, it is. It's... Her name is Amaru. No, it is not. Come, I'm gonna look it up. Come, Machiru. We have to find the one with the pure heart. We have to find the pure heart crystal. Find the, the, the chalice. Something with an A, and it's not that. Oh, there you go. List of dub names for Amara. Amara. Whatever. Amaru is practically the same as Amara. No. It's one letter different. <sighs> Amara, Amaru. It's Mara and Michelle. Yes, Michiru is her Japanese name. Yes. I think that Hikaru was the same in both both languages, though. Yeah. She was in a later That's season. Saturn, right? Yeah, she was in yeah. a later season. Because the season where Hikaru turned up, I think, was the season when they started referring to Sailor Moon as Serena Tsukino. They started using her Japanese family name, even though they were still using her English first name. I got sidetracked because you were talking about Sailor Moon. What the fuck were we gonna talk about on this episode? Apart from the hot no 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 news. It went from voices I can do to fucking. Oh, we were gonna talk about Skull Island. Oh Kong, Kong yeah. Skull, Kong Skull Island. Kong. Yeah, we were gonna talk really about movies. Yeah, that movie was good. Like visually stunning. Very. I'm not really sure what the word is for this, but it does things that would usually be super stupid, like. Framing it, framing like you know some explosions of fire around like a person's glaring eyes and like a fit like a hand curling into a fist and like timing to like music to like you know the waving of helicopter pedals, but like it all worked. Like it was all extremely thematic and it all fit together perfectly in like its cohesive theme. You know what it reminds me of a little actually? No. J. H. Williams the Third's art on Batwoman. I mean, I know I like J.H. Williams. Specifically, I'm talking about how he will do... Okay, for example, he'll do a page where the panels, the shape of them is the Batwoman logo, like the spreading wings of the bat. He, he does things like that. He tends to do panels that are shaped like things, which under any other artist could so easily just look like cheap, gimmicky, amateur bullshit. But because he's very good at it, it does. it looks good. That's what this reminded me of. Well, they also have very good actors, which I think definitely also helps carry a lot of the lines, which I will acknowledge if any actor with less talent probably delivered would have brought me straight out of, Look, like, the feeling. And Samuel, like, oh, what the fuck? Samuel L. Jackson was able to sell the Mace Windu bullshit. Of course he can sell this. Yeah, that's because he is a talented son of a bitch. Very badly cast in Phantom 
in those prequels, though. Yeah, but let's be honest, like, the prequels in general are a hot mess. I think it was those, um, fucking Red Letter Media videos that did them. Hey, by the way, if you ever wanted to watch those Red Letter Media Star Wars videos, but you didn't want to put up with all that weird creepy serial killer bullshit, now you can find edits on YouTube where they cut all that shit out, and you just get the film analysis. Good. But yeah, they made the point that casting Mace Windu as the very serene, calm monk leader. Not the best choice. And this film is fucking good, though. And I really bought... I mean, okay, all the characters in this film are extremely one-dimensional, but they're good, effective, stereotype characters, and they do their parts well. Yeah, like, even though they're one-dimensional, their, like, one shtick isn't just, like, saying, like, a like a code phrase over and over. It's, like, a kind of relationship with the, that they have with, like, one other character or something about, like, you know, person who misses his kid, person who loves his mom, uh, person who smokes too much. Like, even those little things work in terms of, like, playing off of the other characters and stuff like that. So you really don't care how one-dimensional they are. I actually really liked Samuel Jackson's character. Samuel L. Jackson's character was probably one of, I'm going to say, maybe the most complex characters in the yeah, movie. Yeah, I mean, even then he didn't have that much complexity. But it was it was good, and it was worked... He was a good... He wasn't even a villain. He was an antagonist. Yeah. Like, they established it from, like, first shot that he was really in. His whole, you know, feeling about losing the war and shit like that. Yeah. About losing Vietnam. Yeah. The Samuel L. Jackson's character should not surprise you. Pretty fucking good. Yeah, pretty fucking intense. Also something that I just want to mention straight off of the bat as well. Kong is, like, there and present and fucking oh, shit yeah. up. From basically, like, the moment that they actually start doing bad shit that would draw, you know, like, a giant fucking monkey's attention oh, on the island. Oh, before that, you see, you see, well, you at least see a very strong close-up of Kong's face before the title of the film comes up. Yeah, but, like, my point is that his scene where he starts pulling helicopters out of the sky isn't, like, some, like, you know, dodgy Godzilla Cloverfield, like, the whole point of Cloverfield was getting it off camera, I know, but this is the point. They didn't try to keep the creature quotation fingers, off-camera to make it more intimidating. They're like, not nah, fuck it, giant monkey, straight off the bat, throwing fucking helicopters around, smashing dudes, getting scratched, like, just fucking bring it. Yeah, the obvious comparison for this movie is that the 2014 Godzilla movie? Couldn't tell you. I mean, because they are both modern American, you know, heavily militarized giant monster movies. This was so much better than Godzilla. And we liked Godzilla. Yeah, it wasn't bad. Hey, if you want to know our thoughts on Godzilla, you should check out our other podcast, The A to Z of Films. It's episode G. G is for Godzilla. But yeah, this movie didn't do that cloy little, ooh, let's keep the monster out of sight and just little sneak peeks of him until the finale. He's like, nope, Godzilla's going to be up fucking front in this movie straight away. Kong. Yeah, Kong. <laughs> Kong is going to be up fucking front in this movie. All the other monsters in the movie, they're going to be fucking up front too. Oh my god, the, like the... M- creature designs. Really good. I didn't actually realize that the lizards had eyes until like the third or fourth scene that they were in, too. I told you about the inspirations, right? Making finger quotes. No? Okay, supposedly for the, the, the skull walkers, the lizardy skull creatures that they're in there, they're apparently inspired by uh, Satchiel from Neon Genesis Evangelion. That's the first angel they fight. He's got like a little bird skull kind of face. Oh, okay. That makes sense. And Cubone. I mean, I... By which I think they really mean they're inspired by anything that is wearing a skull for a hat. It's true. 
I'm gonna be honest, when I saw them, I thought of the creepy flesh golem from Dragon Age Origins, but that was mostly just because it was a thing with two arms and a tail and no back legs. Hmm. Apparently all the creatures were inspired by, like, Mononoke. Actually, the water buffalo makes perfect yeah, sense for that. Yeah, I think they just mean that the water buffalo had multiple horns. Yeah, it had, like, a bunch of moss dripping off of it and shit. That is very ghibli, to be fair. I did not know going into it Tom Hiddleston was gonna be in it. Me either. Friend of yours commented apparently she'd heard that he was a big old Mary Sue, but I don't think that's true, because I don't think he had enough characterization to be a Mary Sue. He is a soldier who's good at. Tr no, he's an ex soldier who's good at tracking things. He uses a katana in one scene. But he I mean, the katana is probably why you had someone saying that. I feel like the katana's presence in the movie was very well justified. Yeah, but you were just happy that dudes were swinging around a fucking katana. But also, nobody uses it like a fucking samurai. Tom Hiddleston uses it like a baseball bat. And even the other guy, I mean, the other guy was doing fucking samurai pose. But it was I mean, justified he... that he could do the pose. I mean, I, I mean, yeah, he probably learned from his friend. Yeah. There was a katana. It was only used like twice. I feel like it was justified to be in there. Mm. Mm. Yeah, Tom, Tom Hiddleston, he was in it. I guess he was alright. I think it's the first thing I've seen. Oh, him in the that spider! Wasn't... That was the other giant creature that was really good. Yeah. Like, well-designed as well, because it had natural camouflage in the scene that it was in. This is the first thing I've seen Tom Hiddleston in where he wasn't Loki. Yeah, like, oh, alright, I, I guess. I like him well enough. It's just that Avengers was so overhyped for me, I kind of got burnt out on it. Yeah, Tumblr and other websites wouldn't shut up about it for 20 goddamn years. They still kind of go on about it. Uh, this movie also had the upcoming Captain Marvel in it. Slash Envy Adams from the Scott Pilgrim movie. She was fine, I guess. She was kind of the character I cared the least about. She was photojournalist who wants to take photos of things. I mean, I get... Like, it's com it completely makes sense that her character is the one that does and says what she does because she is the photojournalist, clearly, who's trying to, like, inspire peace in a time of war. But it was also one of those things where it's just like, uh, of course the woman is the one who, like, you know, talks sense into everyone in, like, a heated moment well, and, like, bonds with Kong and I mean, shit like that. But to be fair, I don't think they had women in the army in Vietnam. No, but, like, why can't a bunch of dudes... I I feel like, well, I don't know about talking heat and thing, but I feel like she, you know, forms a bond with Kong because... That's what happens in King Kong movies. Yeah, I know. I mean, he didn't kidnap her and try to marry her and run to the top of the Empire State Building. Okay, Kong didn't try to marry that woman, but, you know. She's not Bowser. <laughs> He's not Bowser, as she, it were. She's not Peach. Yeah, that's yes. the one. He does wear a dapper tuxedo, though. Apparently. Kong doesn't. No, but Bowser does. I feel like Kong is much, much bigger in these movies, too. I'm okay with it. For obvious reasons that I guess the movie was trying to make a secret, but... I feel like it's a thing we've known about for years because of, you know, nerd media. Fuck it, I'm not even going to be coy about it. It's not even a fucking spoiler. They're clearly, they're planning to do some sort of Godzilla Kong movie. I feel like they're also trying to set up a bunch of the other giant creatures. Yeah, they are. My assumption for the Godzilla Kong movie is Godzilla and Kong will have a fight and then they'll team up to fight Godzilla's monsters. Uh, the, and the shit. three-headed dragon and shit like King that. King Giridon and whatever That's, his name yeah, is. Yeah, that one. And the, I mean, the pterodactyl. What else are they going to fight? King Kong's monsters? Oh, which he did actually have in this movie. Sorry, traditionally King Kong doesn't have any monsters. He's just a monkey and he gets shot and dies. Twas beauty killed the beast. You haven't seen the Peter Jackson version, have you? Nope. Because that's the only version I've seen. I haven't seen, like, the original Black and White. I just saw that Peter Jackson. 
Which was, you know, it was alright, but very long. Jack Black was in it. Haven't seen it. Andy, I don't Andy, really have any interest to. Andy Serkis played Kong, because of course he did. Who else would play a creature? Although I don't think he was Kong in this new one. Some other guy. Some other guy got to do motion capture in a film, Karina. Yeah, It's shocking, I know. Yeah, Kong's very, very good. Looks really good. Good action. The characters are serviceable. They're all pretty wonderful. They're like the, um, they're like the Marines in Aliens. You know, they don't have enough depth to them, but they got enough depth to them you feel sad when they die. One thing I want to mention, Karina already kind of covered it briefly, but I want to mention it just because of how impressed I was with the scene. There's a shot where the helicopters are flying around, and it goes in slow-mo, so they're like, you know, blades are moving slowly, and you're getting that, like, noise. But it was actually paired up with the backing beat from Paranoid. Black Sabbath Paranoid. And it was actually a really good shot. And I was like, this is a good shot. And a good uh, bit. And a lesser director, say, visionary director Zack Snyder, it would have been shitty and cheesy. And it was good under this guy whose name I don't know. I don't remember. Hey, Kong also had a really good soundtrack. Yeah, a really good 70s soundtrack. Like, Maybe not as good as Guardians of the Galaxy, but like definitely if you think of how good Guardians of the Galaxy was, it was in that direction. I'm very quickly going to look up who the director of Kong Skull Island was, because I feel like he's directing something upcoming, and I was kind of excited about it. I mean, I don't know about you, but in terms of... Like, Just look at his poster, Karina. Really good. The poster looks good. Like, it looks really nice and, like, colorful and, oh, and yeah. vintage. The movie was pretty colorful, too. Oh, so good. It wasn't just brown. A lot of red fire, but also a lot of jungle green. It wasn't this desaturated also, gray. Yeah, also, there was a lot of color, like, in the, um, like, in the, the national <gasps> Oh, I remember, I remembered what he's, well, he's rumored to maybe, be, or maybe they're consulting him about directing, or he's on the shortlist or whatever. Metal Gear Solid movie. Oh, yeah. I feel like this guy that, has the style. If this style. guy did Metal Gear Solid, I feel like that it would be uh, pretty fucking good. I feel like he has the stylistic chops to pull it off. Especially since, you know, he can clearly do military, but also funny. Yeah. Like, he can kind of encapsulate the seriousness of, you know, like, a character who's, like, you know, never leaves a man behind, and, like, you know, is bitter about losing the war, and is always there for his, his crew, but can... Also, you know, have a character who has been there for 20 years and is always just like, Oh, did I say that out loud? Am I still talking out loud? Oh, uh, you're a good bunch of boys. We're all gonna die We're all together. gonna die. <laughs> also, he's a director who will put one of these characters in a jacket that's a straight-up reference to Akira. <laughs> and it's also a director who will cast Samuel L. Jackson and then get him to say the line, Hold on to your butts. Oh, that was so good. We were we were watching it in the theater with one other couple, and I actually did laugh out loud quite a bit when I saw this movie, so I hope um, I didn't annoy them. I don't think they were a couple, Karina. I think they were a mom and her son. I don't know. I wasn't really looking at them. A couple as in, like, another group of two okay. people. A group of two people who kept going in and out of the fucking theater every 20 minutes. It's true. Like, I constantly heard that door. Yeah, that mom was up and down way. like crazy. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe she had a medical condition. Yeah, maybe she went to a lot. I don't know. Yeah. It's a good movie. It was. I recommend it if you haven't seen it already. Do you want to talk about the other movie you saw this week? Oh, Beauty and the Beast. Uh, really good. Like, I would definitely watch it again. So, you know, very high marks. It wasn't quite as magical as the original animation, but let's be real, that's also probably due to a lot of nostalgia. And the fact that, obviously, you can get away with a lot of things in an animation that don't always translate well into real-world graphics. But... 
I really liked this remake of Beauty and the Beast mostly for like the visual impact of it and the fact that it was very much so treated like a musical. Treated like a musical? If you're not completely sure what I mean by that, the best way I can describe it is not what the movie adaptation of Lemmy's did. Having them sing and record the singing on set. Yeah, like, I don't want to really get into what I disliked about Lemmy's because I'm a massive Lemmy's fan. I didn't like Russell Crowe's casting because he couldn't sing. But, like, treated like a musical in that nobody kind of acknowledged that anybody else was singing. It was all kind of an in-the-moment kind of thing. People, like, you know, did movements to the beats. Like, people, like, choreographed their movements to what they were saying and stuff like that. So it all looked incredibly... I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say staged, as in like theater staged, which I hope kind of conveys what I mean by that. Like all the positioning was very obvious, the colors, the design of everyone, like the way that things were expressed and how people moved was all not organic, but in a way that worked perfectly with the music. So that's what I mean by was treated very much like a musical. I loved that. It was also super colorful and everything except Belle's yellow dress actually looked really nice and according to a friend who I saw it with was actually pretty period for like you know like like the french kind of mm. like frilly i'm assuming it's baroque Did her, i can't 100% tell you what era it was was her yellow dress bad her yellow dress was okay but it wasn't very period like she had like a zip she had like a zip in the back of her dress and oh, everything maybe they just failed to hide that and even though it was very swishy it wasn't nearly as, like, voluminous as Belle's dress is clearly supposed to be. Yeah. But it did have a lot of really beautiful, again, I couldn't tell you exactly, Baroque or Rococo or something like that. Like, if you can kind of, if you don't know much about them specifically, I hope I'm conveying this correctly. Like, big, beautiful, like, you know, filigree, like, golden leaves coming off of, like, pillars all through the castle and, like, big, fanciful statues, like, holding French, spears. French, and... French Revolution, Louis XIV. Yeah, like, super and, detailed. And... Antoine Marie. Marie Antoinette. Mar- yeah, that's it. Marie yeah. Antoinette, that kind yeah, of Yeah, exactly. Like, an, like, a lot of the background characters that were in the castle and everything like that were wearing, like, you know, big powdered wigs and, you know, like, the tied-off stockings and big, like, petticoats and stuff like that. So, again, other than Belle's dress... American Revolution. Bit more pretty? Yeah, but no, well, obviously the American Revolution had the shitty poor version. Yes, because the Americans were poor. Yes, but that that, that contemporary era of fashion. Yeah, like that... Buckle shoes and silk leggings. Yes, yes, exactly. So that it was all really beautiful, really fanciful, really artistic. And because they were treating it like a musical, they also really worked with a lot of that like artistic visual impact to work with music as well, which I really loved. Like, one thing that I can tell you in particular that I really loved is that the frost on all of, like, the window panes and on the floors and stuff, because this version of Beauty and the Beast, the castle is kind of stuck in an eternal winter, which is really good visually. Um, Like, all of the frost is in, like, these beautiful, like, little... But if it's stuck in eternal winter, how are they gonna do the sequel live-action film Belle's Enchanted Christmas? Shut the fuck up. With Tim Curry as the angry... Organ. Oh my god. A musical organ, me, not a penis organ. Can you talk about the actual movie that I saw? <laughs> yes, I'm done with my interjection. The frost on the windows, talking about the visual impact, was all in like these beautiful little swirls. Like very crafted, very obviously, like, you know, like 
an art deco border kind of swirls on the edges of things and stuff like that. So everything looked very deliberate and very designed, which really worked with like the visual impact of everything in the movie. It was good. I really liked the beast. He wasn't just big and scared, but again, you know, like you can only put so much prosthetics and CG on a guy, so like I completely forgave it because his horns also looked really good. As a woman who is sexually into dicks, <laughs> was he as hot as I, a cartoon? The beast or Adam? Okay, the beast. <laughs> Adam couldn't be less fucking hot. I would say that they're kind of both equally attractive for different like for different things. And again, that can probably boil down to one is an animation and one is something that is supposed to be like real life. Like for what they did with the beast, because he didn't look as bestial, but because he was obviously supposed to be like a real dude, oh, yeah. he looked human enough that he could still have like, you know, very obvious facial like expressions of emotion. And, like, he could actually move, like, the actor could actually move comfortably, which obviously made, like, anything the Beast physically did look a lot more organic and stuff like that. Yeah, from memory what I've seen in the trailers, he definitely looks like someone with a human face. But it's okay. But because it is a human face. Yeah, like, it's, it's, it's okay because it also doesn't look as awkward. I assume that means he also moves a lot more humanly. Kind of. Like, there's because obvious... Because he can't move like a Beast because he's not... I mean, most of the time they do obviously cut off a lot of his scenes at the waist, and I think that that's just because they don't want to do his beast like legs, legs and tail. I'm Should gonna have just given him pants and boots like Hellboy. No, to be fair, all of the scenes where you do see his paws look pretty good. Like they're going back to the moving like a beast thing. He does move and act more like a beast, like in the very beginning, for example, when he's wearing you know tattered rags and he's still really angry and really hurt and he hasn't quite you know learned. To, like, you know, love and be human again from knowing Belle. But once, you know, you, they start talking a little more and they're doing shit together in the library, like, he he wears much better clothes. What? And yeah, he, he definitely looks very good in his human clothes as well. I assume Adam looks better. Because Adam is the worst of all the princes. Yeah, like, Adam at least looks human. So, you know, he, he looks alright. <laughs> sick, sick burn on cartoon, Adam. <laughs> Ouch. Okay. Here's the thing. Cartoon is Adam that sucks. Animated Adam looks like 60 times less hot than animated Beast. Remake Adam is, you know, he's still perfectly okay. Um, here's the thing though. Gaston is stupidly hot. Which does make sense because he is supposed to be buff and attractive, but like, you know, he's got the personality of Pond Scum, which yeah. still works. And LeFou is not nearly as bad as I thought he was going to be. Do you mean, oh, do you mean, like, his campy gayness? He wasn't really campy gay, but, like, that definitely came through because I knew it, but if you were watching it and you didn't know, you could actually definitely interpret it more as, like, you know, kind of slightly clingy best friend well, who isn't well, really on par with Gaston's popularity, so kind of, like, you know, works a little bit too hard. The fact that this is the first canonically gay Disney character... Hey! And it's still possible to be like, eh, No, 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 hey! Not. Here's the thing. Mrs. Potts actually does tell him at one point, you're too good for him. Hmm. Which, I mean, it's Disney, so, like, if anyone actually confronted them about it, they'll probably just be like, oh, they mean as friends. Uh, I think but, Disney you know. have been pretty upfront about this being gay guy. Well, then there you go, then, like... I think the criticism, well, from what I've seen in trailers, the criticism still seems valid. You know, it's 2017, and their first gay character is the very... It's the fool. 
Yeah. Well, his name is LeFou. His name is LeFou. Yeah. But it was good. I liked it. I recommend it. What they do with the like, timeline? I would recommend it what they do with the less timeline. than Kong, but what do you mean? Because it's one of the things I like about Beauty and the Beast is that it's the only movie that takes place over a period of time. Although oh. the period of time is confused because it seems like a long period of time is passing, but Lef either either a long period of time passes and LeFou spends like six fucking months sitting outside Belle's dad's house, or the seasons are just crazy at that magic castle and it's only a day. I mean, I like to think that it takes place over a long period of time. Um, no. Unfortunately, it takes place in less than a week in this remake. Oh, of course it does. Oh, you know what? Actually, huge points against this remake. Does not have Tony J in it. Huge drawback. Yeah. Tony J is Megabyte. I know. He plays the... Isn't he dead? Yeah. So, you know... Yeah. Still. Come on! He plays the... The psychiatric prison warden? To be fair, the psychiatric prison warden is pretty much dressed like that gang of bikers from that movie that you really like that I've forgotten. It's Batman and Mad Robin, Max? right? Max? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wait, which gang of bikers? The pop gang. Oh, with the fucking heart eye patches? Yeah, like he's kind of dressed like that gang, so you'd probably like him. Weird. <laughs> Do we want to briefly talk about the other movie we watched this week? You already forgot what it was, and we watched it last night. It was Monsters University. Oh, yeah, that one. Hey, it was fine. Yeah, it was alright. It was fun. It was a movie. It is, oddly enough, a movie that I don't think you would give a shit about if you <coughs> hadn't seen the Monsters, Inc. But if you've seen Monsters, Inc., you know exactly how the fucking end of the movie is going to be. It's a movie that I don't understand why it exists, but I'm not necessarily mad that it exists. Like, it's fine. It's... It made me feel bad for Randall. Yeah, well, yeah. Nathan Fillion was in it. Yeah, Nathan Fillion was in it. Yeah. Yeah, that movie made me feel bad for Randall. And it also, like, we had a discussion about this this morning, didn't we? Like, the actual mechanics of scaring being a university degree and then Mike and Scully yeah. actually getting their job. Because the whole thing about that is they're trying to get, like, a fucking scare degree. And, uh, like, whatever, spoilers for Monsters University? It came out, like, five years ago. Who cares? But in the end, they get kicked out. So they don't get their scary degrees. But then they're able to just get a job, like, as, you know, in the mail room and then work their way up as janitors, cafeteria workers, whatever. And then Monsters, Inc. is just having random tryouts for scarers, and they just try out and, I guess, do impressive and get jobs. But if Monsters, Inc. is just having fucking tryouts amongst the staff, amongst the fucking janitors, why do you need a degree from a university to be a scarer? I mean, should they have said interviews instead of tryouts? Maybe, but still, if if you need the degree... I would have thought at the end that that um, fucking badass dragon... Insect was going to be like, oh, hard scrabble. Yeah, I thought she was going to be like, yeah, I'm kicking you out, but I've set up an interview for you with this company. Or I was expecting them to like get an inter like an internship with Monsters Inc. or something. Yeah, but no, apparently not. That boss lady was fucking badass. She was pretty cool. She had a great design. I mean, she's a cartoon dragon insect, but hey, there's a cool old lady in nerd media. She's also literally a monster. Yeah. <laughs> she held Helen Miriam though. She's played the queen in two different things, so that tells you what Helen Mirren looks like. Yeah, yeah maybe it was fun. Yeah. All the all the all the side characters were way underbaked. Like that guy with two heads. What was even his deal? He could do close-up magic. Yeah, we had a discussion about how that character specifically really fell through. What's up with him? Like his interest is like, oh, I'm a dance major. Didn't do any dancing to help. He did. He distracted the librarian. 
I mean, I don't think he was distracting with great dance moves. He was just going like, hey, over here, and waving his arms around. Yeah. Yeah. Like, his close-up magic was, oh, I distracted her. Didn't actually do any magic. Yeah, it was uh, better or worse than the good dinosaur, Karina. Do you remember anything about the good dinosaur? I mean, weirdly enough, I want to say that it was better than the good dinosaur. Was it better because you already care about Mike and Scully? Probably. Yeah. I was invested in actually, you know, discovering how they became friends and how Scully became not a jerk. Apparently Scully's spots faded as he aged. That makes sense. I guess. Mike and Scully are kind of jerks. Did you also notice that Scully had, like, a little, like, white boy hair flip? I did not. I did. I noticed right away. (laughs) I didn't notice that all the bad monsters had pop collars. Mimi and Nathan Fillion? Yeah. I will say, Mike and Scully are kind of jerks, though, seeing as apparently they don't recognize their fucking first ever boss. What do you mean? That Yeti. Oh, yeah. It was apparently the first boss they ever had, and then they don't recognize him. Yeah! Because, like, they bring back the Abominable Snowman to, like, show up in the mail room and casually mention, like, you know, oh, messing with the mail is punishable by banishment. It's just like, they don't remember who you are when they run into you in Monsters, Inc., though. Maybe there's a lot of yetis in that world. Maybe yetis are, like, hot chicks with three eyes. And that they're just an entire species and they're everywhere. Maybe. Because, you know, all the hot chick monsters are all the exact same species. God, who knows? Maybe they're a hive mind. Maybe they are. Uh, I think it, uh, we should probably wrap this one up, because time for you to go to bed. No, I'm not actually working. Oh, right, right. You're not working tomorrow. Because, you know, all the shops today closed at, like, 12 o'clock. Yeah, except my shop, which was open till 5. Yeah. Oh. Alright, do you want to do the... Which, uh, should we do the wrap-up now and say all the details? Like I say, we're available on... We're on Patreon now. Nights of Podcast. And you can also find this episode, all our other episodes, and our other show. I don't know why I said that like it was going to be a plural. Our other show, there's at a film, at nightsofpodcast.com, and you can also find our email address there, askknightsofpodcast at gmail.com. I had to put the ask in because apparently night. Alright, that's all we have. Next time we'll do a bit at the start. How are we doing in that ice temple? Find out next time. Fun fact, we're still stuck in the labyrinth. That's why we didn't do a bit this time. I'm looking up a walkthrough refusing to look at the walkthrough, so I'm going to know what to do, and then at least let him know when he's totally off course. Man, I'd try it for like maybe 20 minutes and give, give up. I would've, I would've... When I was a younger man, I could play through Max Payne and do those fucking mazes, but now I'd just be like, oh, fuck this whole shit, I don't have time for this. I'm gonna <laughs> die one day. <laughs> As I always comment when anyone's like, oh, maybe you should just watch Iron Fist yourself and make your own opinion instead of reading reviews, because reviews are the devil. I'm like, I'm going to die one day. I have time for that. I need to spend my time wisely by playing 100 plus hours of Stardew Valley. Good job. Okay, we're out. Bye.